Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Tales podcast. Got a special one today. For me, it's special because I was chatting to a client friend, Trev Wilcox, and we were talking about um, something he'd gone through personally, which resonates with me in terms of getting to that point where you need to take some time off, you can't cope. Uh, and I was chatting saying, would you be happy to come on and share your story? With so that other people could hear it. Because I think it's something that we're all going through. It's something that a large number of us have experienced. And to hear the story of somebody going through that, what they did, and how they came out the other side is positive. Now, Treb works in an organization, Accenture, where there's massive support networks um, that allow them. He's got a good network of people around him that help and support him. So I'm aware that if you're listening to this to today, it might it might put some triggers into your mind that certain things you've been going through, so I'm aware. So just giving you a, a bit of a warning that this is what the subject is, is where he he starts to get to the point of saying, yeah, I can't cope and need to take some time off. But the story for me resonates in terms of where do we get our energy as leaders? How do we keep our energy source strong as leaders? And how do we hold our hand up and say, I need to take some time off, as he talks about in this, this episode today? Um, to recharge and how in some ways do we get ahead of that and know when our energy levels are low and when our mental health is suffering through that uh, to allow us to do that so please um, I wouldn't say enjoy this episode but please I'm sure you'll get a lot out of listening to what Trev talks about today and I'd love to get your feedback on what you think about the story here's Trev So tell me what was in your head coming into this conversation. Tell me what was going on. I'd listened to some of the other podcasts. And, and actually, yep. what was striking for me, the, the people you've had on there, so fighter pilots, authors, CEOs, and and without probably doing myself too much disservice, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat of a, of a middle manager in a big corporate environment. Mm-hmm. And, and I've had a yeah. good career, and I continue to have a good career, but those guys were outstanding. And that was in my head of, wow, what am I, what am I walking into? What, what is the method? What, am I, what have I gone through? What have I lived that is actually going to be useful and interesting to people? But I felt so passionately about the journey I've been on. And, and for me, ideally helping people themselves to recognize when they're on that journey but actually, I was like, do you know what? If if a couple of people get someone out of this, and then suddenly go, oh wow, actually, I know that, and it stops and to think about it, then it doesn't matter that I've never fit, flown a fighter plane or never written a book, yeah. um, barely yeah. read a book. So um, I think that was where my head w- was certainly at. And I think you know it's interesting for me, Trev, because as we go through this this conversation and go through the podcast. There was a bit of work I was doing the other day with a client. We were talking about this is that some of the middle managers, junior managers who have a particular pain point or something that they go through, they always go, well, that's not valuable. Why why would anybody want to hear my story? But actually, for me, those are the ones that really resonate with people because everybody goes through those. And suddenly it's a bit like, you know, somebody says, when I said first said imposter syndrome, um, that I suffer from. Everybody went, yeah, that's me, that's me, that's me. Those are the the most resonant points. So sometimes the lofty CEOs, the big stories, underneath them, Peter Ledra was a classic example of these podcasts. Uh, 
yeah. was his dyslexia was his key thing that he was struggling with and dealing with. Yeah. So let, let's go a step back, Trev, and just tell us your story, who you are, so people yeah. who are listening go. We can connect okay. with you. It's a story that actually I I, I thought was slightly unique. And, and as the years have gone on more and more, I, I realized that actually it's, it's more common than I realized in terms of I left school. Mm. I, I, I disliked secondary school. I, I was bullied in secondary school quite a lot and, and I yeah. couldn't wait to leave. So I, I left secondary mm. school at 16 um, with very few qualifications, which was for me, boy come good story. But, but I'd say I've, I've heard the story a lot over the years, more than I would like to hear it to a certain extent. But I, I started working in retail banking when I left school and, and, and didn't really care about it, didn't really get into it. And, and, and my journey moved from there until I found an organization that actually really, really took me and actually said, hey, we think we've got someone here that, that actually can do things. So it, I've been in work for many, many years. It's a very long journey and I can bore people for, for hours with it in some respects. But it, it, We've only got 35 w- minutes, mate. It's correct, just, yeah. correct. Um, but it, the, the key for me, in certain respects, was I, I never felt that work defined me. I never felt like mm. I was, hey, that Trevor Wilcox, and he's this person because of work. Where I know people who often are defined their their their, their career is is how they are seen to a certain extent. So I always felt that I wasn't a workaholic and I wasn't defined by my career and, and stuff. But actually, as I as I look back, I was defined an awful lot by by my work and by wanting to be good at what I do. So not necessarily wanting to be wholly successful. Not I never had aspirations to be a, a CEO or, or drive to a C-suite position necessarily, but I, I always wanted to be seen as the person that was good at what they do and could be relied on and would own things and do things. And and actually, I think part of the, the, the recent journey for me and, and part of the reason we're, we're talking to an extent, I, I was promoted to direct the level in 2021. Huge milestone for me, something I, I was leaving school at 16, I never expected, never thought would be possible. So it was it was hugely positive time. Um, picked up a new role. That promotion in itself was was a challenge. A, a big group of people to lead across Europe, um, a lot of responsibility. Um, and then the role built on top. So I was asked then to pick up a piece of work that was particularly going wrong. A bit of a troubleshooter background so hey can you come in and just do this on top of it and then ask to pick up a bit of other pieces and and actually the role grew and grew and grew and that was okay because i had a track record of taking problem things and and helping stabilize them and fix them to an extent the difference was my personal life had changed considerably as well actually mm-hmm. i'd become a dad and and quite an older dad but a, but a dad in 2020 during lockdown and actually, all of a sudden, the combination, when I look back between the pressure and work, still trying to drive a career that I didn't think I was driving, but still trying to drive that as well as uh, being a husband and a father and being expected to to do lots of things at home. I'm, I I wouldn't call myself necessarily a, a, a modern father, but I, I change the nappies and I do bedtime and I, mm. I do teas and all those good things I, I absolutely should do. So I got to the point as I was going through 2022, where that balance was becoming harder and harder and harder. I, I was getting to my desk very early in the morning, back to back. My diary often was doubled up, sometimes even triple meetings at the same time, having to make 
conscious decisions of which calls I did, which ones I didn't, not having lunch breaks, not getting away from my desk. When I did get away, I'd go and do a little bit of tea with my daughter, um, but then back to my desk in the evening to do more work. And, and it was getting harder and harder and harder to the point where I had people coming to me constantly with issues. And I, I'm the type of leader that wants to help people solve their problems. So when they had a problem, I naturally wanted to look at what they had and, and help them solve it, take away a problem so they could do their job better. So actually, I ended up taking on a lot of their problems as well and thinking about what they were doing and trying to solve everything for everybody and trying to stay strong, trying to stay strong as a leader, because actually I had people looking up to me in my new role and new position and looking up to me and saying, hey, this is Trev. And I'm like, well, I've, I've got to I've got to be the, the inspiring leader. I've got to be the person that my predecessor was an incredibly inspiring, very strong uh, ex-military. I've got to be a, a, a role model here. And actually, it got to the point around late summer last year where I I started to say to people, look, I'm 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 burnt out. I've had nine, 12 months of continual firefighting. I've got to the point where actually I'm not sure I can do this. And hmm. the best thing for me, Colin, is I think I was in an incredibly fortunate position where I've got very good role models around me. So whether it be my my family, my sister, I had a conversation with to say, hey, I'm thinking about, I'm not sure I can work at this level. You said earlier about imposter syndrome. I'm not sure I can work at this level. I think actually I've got overpromoted. I think I need to take a step back here. And, and she gave me some very good advice, go and speak to a few people. I've got some fantastic people in the business that actually took the time to sit down with me and talk through these things. A, a huge um, thanks for me goes to, to one of the, the colleagues in our human resources department who re immediately recognized where I was. And, and the, the guidance I was getting was, you need to take a step back. You've got some leave coming up. Take a step um, just to think about these things. And that was powerful because I've got huge amounts of many years of experience, uh, a reasonable level of seniority. But actually, I still needed a little bit of somebody giving me permission to think about me and actually take some time and think about the journey it was on. So that that point up to about the end of September last year was almost a recognition of, yeah, my, my flight or fight mechanism has been in tow for now for months and months and months. I'm struggling. I just need a bit of rest. Yeah, I want to dig into a couple of things. And, and yeah. Trev, thank you for sharing. Because, I mean, one of the things we talked about is, for me, having gone through something similar, to actually start to share your story out here is is a critical part of this. I want to go, go back to a couple of things you said. Yeah. And I think this is this is a where some people will be listening and going, yeah, got that. Working all the hours, at my desk early, late, no time, triple meeting book, having to make decisions, balancing that with family. And I think COVID was a massive piece in that as well. Just talk to me a bit about, for the context for the listeners, about the type of role you're doing, what you're doing, why it's triple booked and you can't walk away. Yeah. yeah. So um, I work for a very large organization, management consulting, uh, outsourcing. What we do is is we help our clients um, absolutely focus on what they need to deliver by delivering the things that that actually um, we are experts in and they don't need to be. So whether that would be the financial accounting or procurement or human resources um, and taking them on the journey to 
So actually the next level of their operation so that actually we can help them by automating it and standardizing it and, and actually bring the future in a way that we can do across multiple clients that perhaps for them won't stack up in the same way from a from an individual business perspective. So whether that be automation or AI or or anything, it really is a, around a very strong, powerful platform of of process and applications that, that transforms their business um, and as I say, makes them focus on what they're good at. Because our clients are are good at what they do. They're not necessarily finance and accounting experts. They're not necessarily human resource experts. They do it, they provide it, but they might be doing medical stuff they might be doing um oil they might be doing financial services so we we try to support them and do that piece so why it's important is is i was leading a team and my background is predominantly more from an it an it management perspective so one of the things and one of the ways we help our clients do this is is by taking a combination of some of our technologies and some of the best technologies globally and incorporating those and taking those to the client and and embedding those in their service so that then actually they can use a best of breed um, uh, platforms as a service offerings and, and, and really help them drive that, that piece. So we've got clients that actually, if you get it wrong, it can have material consequences. If all of a sudden you've got a, a medical organization who can't get the right medicines in the right part of the world at the right time because their supply chain's not working, because we've not put the right product in place or we're not doing it right, it, it has material consequences on people and, and, and actually individuals. So it's really important that we get these things right. And ultimately, that's where I, I pride myself somewhat of taking that ownership and that, that delivery of it to make sure that what we're providing is is what we would say we will provide uh, we we sell what we what we can deliver and 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 we deliver mm-hmm. what we sell is is one of our key attributes and and that's quite key for me is to make sure that when we're delivering these platforms when we're delivering these services um it, it's doing what it what it says it will on the tin and a reason i wanted to get that context in because i i think there's a, a key thing in here that we you and i've talked about before but it, it's this player coach role. So yeah. you're working for a client that you've got to solve a problem. They're not paying to listen to the struggles and how yeah. the organization is struggling to deliver and the systems and the processes that you have in your organization. They're, they're asking you to deliver and they expect it and you, they're paying a price. So yeah. there's one thing on yeah. that. I think the second thing is your pride of delivery on this is also, but you're also got all the woes and concerns of the rest of the team around it. So you're trying to be on the pitch with the client. You're trying to support the teams that are on the pitch with the client. With and and you and I are similar in this. We we take a lot of that personally in terms of when team members are struggling, the process is struggling. So I just wanted to come back into yeah. that because I think that's critical to understand the next phase. Is is that yeah. fair? Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right with it, and it's that passion it's that want to deliver it's that want to deliver correctly um that drives and and has driven me probably for many years personally as well Mm. so i want to go into this role modeling piece as well trev because that you sort of surrounded by you mentioned your line manager who is ex-military you know and and i know a character but working for people who are not like you yeah yeah. And the role models are the other positive role models you've got around yourself for yourself who are more similar to you. What was that like to, because it's a comparison, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was helpful in so much that there was a, 
a difference of opinion on some of these things. So yeah. actually that mm. that allowed me then to take in some viewpoints on this. There was there was very much a, almost a okay, keep going, it'll it'll be all right, through to uh actually you're not gonna be all right unless you take some time here. Um and and actually where I'm actually very proud the fact that I took some time. Um because it's not an easy thing to do. And one of the things that I think where the organization I work for has moved on and where I think society is moving on. I think if I'd taken a gap like I did, so I, t- I ended up taking three months out. Um, and I think if I'd taken that three months out, maybe 10 years ago, maybe less, it, it would have almost been seen as career suicide. I think the hmm. t- gap would have been a sign of weakness and a sign of actually you're not capable, you can't do these things. Um, and actually people may well have, have really struggled to come back to an extent, certainly in a corporate environment, in my view. Actually, where we are now is, I, I say, I was proud of the fact that I took the step because it's allowed me to, to think about, refresh myself, hopefully come back better, come back better as a, as a leader, as a father, as a person. Um, but I think it's that piece of knowing that you've got that support around you, knowing that you've got um, the people that when you, I was told many years ago, there was a, a, an MD I worked with 10 years ago. And, and his view was, I was really worried about failure. And, and one of the things that came out, I, I had 12 sessions of therapy across about 16 weeks. And, and actually, one of the things that came out was, was I never realized Colin, how much a fear of failure I had. And, and actually, I remember years ago talking to his MD, and, and he said, Trev, you're allowed to fail. And actually, do you know what? You've got enough brownie points in the bank. If you do, absolutely, people will rally around you and pick you up and support you. Um, and that was quite a key thing many years ago for it to hear that which was do you know what yeah you're right i'm 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 driving i'm doing the right things i'm i'm trying my hardest i'm not sat back with my feet up just relaxing and actually when you take that step off if you're on a highway when you take that step off do you know what if you fall the net will catch you because that's what mm. it's there to do and but it it's having that confidence to take that step and the confidence to to keep going with it knowing that you'll be caught and and i have been caught and i was caught by our process by experts by the people i'm surrounded by um but it was still brave in some respects i feel for me to to reflect and take the time and i want to come into the time i took off a little bit as well but i think that time off nowadays I, i i think was good and and the right outcome for me there's this piece about sometimes realizing it's the time you need to take off is almost too late but actually yeah. you in some ways you were uh, it was a positive decision you took it and you were able to recover which is great but just tell me some of the symptoms you went through because i think some people listening to this might be going yeah i associate with this but sometimes just talking about the symptoms that made you go i can't do this anymore yeah yeah was it, it? it was uh, huge emotion swings some of the more obvious signs and, and i've had colleagues talk to me about this more recently where at home i uh, really snappy i would react to things at work where someone would bring me a problem and, and i've always promised myself again I, there was another md years ago that i were heard on stage a couple of times that, that used to talk about people bringing you problems his very short version of it was you want people to bring you issues because actually if they bring you issues as a leader then you can deal with them so if someone brings you a a problem give them a gold star if people actually bring you 
lots of issues, then actually help them fix them, give them lots of stuff. If people lie to you to cover up those issues, then give them minus a million gold stars. And, and that's actually quite key for me. So I wanted people, I wanted to be the leader that people came to when they had a problem, because actually they were coming to a problem, then I knew what was going on and I could then make sure we were better for it. But mm. actually my reactions, my shortness with people, my inability to necessarily quickly process what they were telling me, uh, my snappiness with them, the fact that, oh, here comes another problem from this person. Actually, people stopped bringing me some of those problems. And that was the worst mm. thing for me because all of a sudden then I, was, I, I had no visibility of, of things that were happening. So it, it was around shortness, um, snappiness, an inability to to take a step back and think about things properly. I was constantly like bang, 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 bang. What's the next thing? Rather than that ability to take a step back. And and actually emotionally, there were certain times. And I'm trying to think, oh, it was um a TV show. And I'm trying to think what the TV show is. It's it's the Apple TV, Ted, um, where he's the football manager. I, I, it'll come back to me in a bit. Um Ted Lasso. Yeah. Thank you. Um I sat there one day kind of crying. And I can't even remember what the scene was, but there was just those elements of just occasionally there would have to be an outpouring. And, and it, it, it carried on through through my journey. But there was a signs of all of a sudden me just sat there, just all of a sudden realising that something had just pressed the button on me. And and I spoke to co- colleagues, and I think I was quite fortunate in my time in, in some respects. Um, there were some colleagues who were going through similar things who said they couldn't even think, they couldn't process. If someone said to them, their wife said to them, what do you want for dinner tonight? They couldn't answer that question. Whereas if someone said, can you make spaghetti by late tonight? They could do that. They just lost the ability to, to think. So I, I wasn't quite that far, but it was that I was getting there. I was getting to the point where I could still make decisions, but they were slow or ne- not necessarily the right decisions often, but it was very much those first bits, the, the, the inability to manage my own emotions um, and, and little things. Was, was quite a strong trigger for me. I think it's um, two things that go into my mind. One is this, you mentioned failure before, and I, you know, that's a big piece of my life, is there, and naturally for a lot of us, showing our emotions is a fear of failure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's linked to the fear of failure because you see that as, well, I shouldn't be doing that. I'm, I'm the one in charge now. And the leader title that we give ourselves means, okay, so I'm firstly, I've got all the answers, but then secondly, I can't show weakness. Yeah. So I, I think that's yeah. one thing that's going through my mind. But the other thing that's going through my mind is it's that um, green mile film. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you know, the, yeah. the prisoner and the prisoner who basically has the ability to suck out all the bad from patients. Yeah. And the, the analogy I've got in my head with a number of people who I know now is that because they care, and there's an element of it for me as well. Because I care, I tend to absorb other people's problems. Yeah. yeah. See them yeah. as myself and my own. And therefore, but I don't have the way of getting the black flies to fly out my, yes. my mouth yeah. in that context. Just yeah. wonder if that's something that I'm hearing from you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I so, so as I went through my journey, I took a week holiday off and, and we went to somewhere we'd been many times when normally I would relax quite quickly. And, and I still wasn't relaxing. I was still head tough. And I, I was due to come back to work on the Monday. And, and I just I just couldn't do it. I, I, I'd had some advice from colleagues that said, look, if you, if you feel you can't come back, don't come back. So I, I decided to take, the, take an extra week off. And throughout this, this process, I, for many, many weeks, kept on thinking, 
There's, I'm not ill. I'm a fraud. There's nothing wrong with me. I was going out for very long walks. I was still socialising a bit. I was around the house. I my daughter. I'm like, this. I should be at work. I should be at work doing things. And then I, I spoke to a GP, and they, I was like, look, I just need to. I've just been reading a lot. I've been sleeping a lot. I was sleeping during the day. I was just constantly still tired, and that was one of the symptoms. Actually, just a constant tiredness. Actually, constantly still tired, and 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 I said, look. I just need a couple more weeks. I just need a little bit more sleep. She went, no, no. She went, I'll sign you off for two weeks, but you need longer than this. I was like, no, 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 I don't. And it took me about seven weeks where actually I finally came to the conclusion, do you know what? I'm, 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 I am broken. If this was a broken leg, it would be really obvious. I'd be in a cast. I'd have a plan now of how to get it better. And I'd be going step by step. But actually it took me such a long time to suddenly realize this isn't right. And and I'd spoken to a lot of people about the fact that I fell, fell off that cliff edge, but actually I fell off the cliff edge and I was lucky that I, I fell two or three meters. So I could see the, I could see it above me and I just went, Do you know what? I just need to relax for a little bit and then I can climb back out. But actually I needed to go down a level before I could climb back. And, and that's where I got to over the period of the, the October, the November and into December was realizing that yeah this is not normal i'm not in a good place i'm still tired i'm still emotionally drained i'm still not able to to really function and every time i went to go back to work it was i'm just going to get loads of escalations and i'm just not ready for that i'm just not ready i can come in and do stuff but i'm just not ready to do it and and actually that was the key for me realizing how badly i got because otherwise it was just a, hey, this is, I'm a fraud. This is, this is, I'm not that bad. I should be at work. I should be doing these things. I should be helping the team do it. And, and actually that guilt took me a long time to, to get over of, it was almost like weeks before I suddenly thought, Do you know what? I've not been there for a while. The team are doing what they need to do by now. If I've not been there for four weeks, they've moved on. They're fine. They'll, they'll be doing what they have to. But I felt really guilty about not being there, really guilty about not working, really guilty about not earning my salary. But as I say, it took me a long time to realize, yeah. And I started reading lots and started reading lots of books. And Positive Intelligence, one of the ones that, that is very much, I think, recommended by yourself, was, was one that I picked up and I read through um, and started to, to learn about myself more and more and more, thinking about actually what, what, what are the drivers behind it. And I went through therapy with a with a, a professional mm-hmm. they took me all the way back Colin, all the way back to my childhood things that i had never considered but it came out i thought oh by the way yeah mm-hmm. my best friend when i was five moved to, to um 200 miles away never saw them again i hadn't even considered to that point so they really stripped me back right the way back to lots of things i just had never considered about me my family my working practices and i say was one of the reasons that failure came out that my fear of failure, my fear of actually not being able to do what I say I would do, the imposter syndrome bit. I'm I'm in a role that I'm not supposed to be an expert in, that I'm supposed to be doing. Actually, do you know what? I don't always know what I'm talking about. And actually, everyone else does. Mm. Those things that were really coming out to, to really then mean I could start building myself back again was was a was a powerful bit for me to suddenly go, do you know what? It's okay not to be okay. It's fascinating for me also because I was talking about 
um, saboteurs this morning and I redid my uh, saboteurs assessment this morning. What's fascinating for me, because we're going through some changes in the business, my saboteurs have changed um, right. and my avoider has kicked up the list. Okay. Yeah. And the controller has gone down and my hyperachiever has gone up the list. So for those yeah. listening to this, so it is fascinating when you do your work, it's contextual, isn't it? Because it's, yeah. it's yeah. one of the voices that I'm hearing in my head at the moment. How are those working with my judges Yeah, to do that? So I'm fascinated to dig in, Trev, if you're okay with this, because the path to recover, the recovery yeah. after yeah. this was one of the things that really resonated with me about how you did that and how you got back to where you are and talking about it today. So do you want to tell yeah. us a bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there was a number of things. One, and I, I, everybody I spoke to afterwards, I'd talk about Chris Hemsworth um, and his TV show Limitless. Um, it, it was a hugely yeah. powerful thing to me. It was like the first one just so happens my wife put it on, not realizing the first one was about stress and how he coped with stress. And, and actually I started doing some mindful meditation and just taking myself away. And, and often actually I'm, I'm, I'm not good at meditation. In fact, during those early times, I'd often just fall asleep, but I was in a place where I got relaxed and I hadn't realized how relaxed I was necessarily getting. So Chris Hemsworth was great. And I incorporated some of the things he did. So cold showers so end of my shower just 30 seconds of a cold shower those were really simple changes just to incorporate but what was great about his show was here's a, a very very successful wealthy actor who you think has got this lovely family and he's got this fantastic physique you, you thought he's got nothing else but actually he, he struggled he struggled with some of the, the things put in front of him. Um, and, and that was like, well, actually, do you know what? That's fascinating to watch it and, and the way he struggled with it. So that journey he went on, I took part in to a certain extent. And that really helped me go through that. I did a, a lot of reading, a lot of self-searching, but I was speaking to people that had been in similar positions. And I started doing a little bit of yoga. Um, I, I'm I'm a bit of a, a bit of a, a lads lad, Colin, as in mm. me saying, doing yoga it's all a bit really i thoroughly enjoyed it it was really good um actually that journey of just taking a bit of time and then just doing the stretches and i was in a class um uh, full of of ladies that were they're older than me but it was great it was something i hadn't done it was refreshing so just that that yoga brought something to it i went through a journey also physically as well as mentally so i went and got everything checked Literally, I went eye tests, medicals, the everything I could think I could get checked, I got checked, and and I, I would I got myself in a position where I almost put it down to I cared so much about other people, I actually stopped caring about me. I'd become mm-hmm. overweight, um, lazy. I wasn't even getting out for for walks. And my wife bought me a, a Lumi lamp, so every day during the winter now it's on my it's on my desk. I put it on for thirty minutes just to give me that little bit of of rays of, of light that I know I need in, in the winter time. So that was a, a big step. Um, I've taken up, I went to the gym. I actually invested in a personal trainer and I'm still going with that. And it's having significant benefits in terms of my, my health. And even after about six or seven weeks of doing the personal trainer, I, I remember him turning to me going, do you feel more energized? And I went, no. Anyway, <laughs> and you could see the drop in his face. It was like, oh, yeah. But actually, I said to him three weeks ago, I went, I've, it, it's there. I'm there now. I've got the energy. I've got the energy back that that I've lost a, a stone in weight. I've, but it's more than that. 
It's about the confidence that comes with that. It's about the fact that I actually leave my desk. So my personal trainer is at one o'clock on a Monday. There was a time, Colin, where leaving my desk to go and do something that was personal, I, I couldn't achieve that. I would have been fearful of the little yellow dot that comes up when you're away on Teams. Actually, now it's an hour and 20 minutes end-to-end where I'm not on my desk. And the benefits outweigh what I do significantly. I've changed my diary. No longer is it open from 8 to 6. It's now 8.30 to 5.30. Yeah, people still put meetings in there. But but it, it, it shortened the span in there. So I've taken control now more of my working practice. I've taken control of, and, and it's, I've spoken to a lot of people over the years. The problem was not my organization or my colleagues. The problem was me. The problem was my desire to be seen doing things. And, and often people talk about, it's not about the time at desk, about the output. I know that. I've told people that. I, I've, I tell lots of people that. But it was about me being at my desk. And, mm. and that's one of the changes yes. now. I, I don't feel guilty. I've embraced technology more. My phone, I use Teams now in a way that I didn't use before. So if I'm away, people can still get hold of me. Nothing's happened in the four months I've been back to work, Colin. Nothing's broke. Nobody's jumped up and down. Yeah. Nobody's escalated. Nobody's come to me saying, you're incapable of doing what you're doing. Things have just happened. And, and I've been in control of them happening. I love that. I mean, it's interesting. Go back to the Chris Hemsworth thing. So what a, a lot of what you're talking about is is what James Clear in his book Atomic Habits said. You know, the the addiction levels that happened in the Marines in Vietnam, coming back to the U.S., they thought they will they'll still continue their addiction, but their postcode or zip code had changed. The circumstances had changed around them. And I remember that in that series where Chris Hemsworth was doing the fasting, which is one yeah. of the things I do. I do everything you're talking about there, plus the fasting. But because he had laddish mates around him who were, you know, bringing a box of pizzas after a day, having done, you know, but there's so much of our environment that's that causes us to lose the track. Because even for me, drinking, you know, I drink less now and I consciously I have to change my environment to be because if I go out with the friends sometimes who do drink a lot, then I'll drink with them. So how do I avoid yeah. it but i think there's a piece about what you're talking about here is nested habits build yeah. want to just re-emphasize and just talk a bit about it's taken a while so it's you know, like your personal trainer going is it working yet it doesn't work for a while does it yeah. no it, it was a long time and and i'm not even sure when it happened there was just something recently that i was like do you know what i've i've, I've got energy and, and i can do these things and and you're absolutely right it's about those little changes i'd my 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 best friends are 30 miles away. It's literally just a, a, a short hop to get back. We we lost contact. As in, we, we knew where Rachel was once or twice a year we get together. We've made a concerted effort now every month just to get together just for a curry. And, and actually, it's things like that that, from my mental health perspective, have really helped me because if there's anybody that's ever going to bring you back to earth, it's mates you've had since you were in your teen years. Um, and they don't let me forget anything. Um, but it, it's good because you can go, you have a little bit of a, a bit of a chat, you work through each other's worries almost, you know, how's work and you, you chat. So yeah, even those changes about me going, do you know what? I've got to make time for me. My day had got 80% work, 15% family, and, and then maybe a little bit of me, and then it was sleep. Actually, now I've got the training, I've got my friends. There's a there's a tweak 
and a change that it's no longer 80% work. It doesn't mean I'm less efficient. I'm actually far more efficient and I'll do far more, but actually I don't spend as much time. So now I get to do those other things that, that help me in my mind hugely. I want to link it back in because one of the things that I'm aware of is that you work in an organization that supports and works with you. And there's a lot of organizations that are out who don't do that as much. The culture is, yeah, you wouldn't say that, you wouldn't admit it. So I want to put a shout out for the people listening to this as leaders. It's so important that we do this. Yeah. But as a business owner, there's that bit about, wow, okay, somebody's out for three months in our size of business. That's a huge out. Yeah, and we had a couple of circumstances last year where that happened. So, but it's about the longer term goal here, which is yeah. we want to create businesses that people don't need to escape from, is the Correct. way I would put it. Yeah. Correct. From a leader perspective, so our the most senior person, so we have I think roughly like eleven thousand people in the UK. So our mm. most senior manager director in the UK that runs a UK business. Actually, within the first few weeks I was off, I got sent a video where he openly said, I had some real wobbles during COVID. Uh, I mental health wise, I had some real challenges. And and that was powerful for me. And that, that's why I'm I'm here, kind of extent, because actually I think the reality is if people like him can say, I had a wobble, that opened it up for me. Say, do you know what? This is this is okay. It's not it's not acceptable necessarily to get to the position where it happens, but once it's happened, you've got to fix it like it's any other illness or, or breakage or anything else. And and that's where I think leaders can actually check in and make sure that people are okay. Because now I've gone through this, I see it in people I work with. I saw my next door neighbor, I bumped into her the other day mm-hmm. and she was cleaning her car and, and we we're having a chat and she's worked in professional services for, for 25 years. And, and I could, I could see it in her eyes. Just she's, mm-hmm. she's tired, worn down, battling. Actually, the analogy that, that I talked through a little bit quickly was I'm on a motorway journey. Actually, where is it I want to get to? Well, I don't know, maybe retirement. Maybe that's my end goal. Well, I can either get there at 50 mile an hour, so it takes me a little bit longer, but I enjoy the ride, enjoy the scenery. I get there at 70 mile an hour, so I'm in the speed limit, everything's acceptable, takes me a bit of time to get there, but hey, I'm safe, or I can do it at 100 mile an hour. Actually, I may not get there. And, and and actually, that resonated with her. She's like, you're right. I've got to think about what my priorities are here. But you see it everywhere. And that's where I think from the least perspective, when we see it, I was raising people in September, I'm burnt out. The opportunity almost to, to put that support in there, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't blame anybody for this. I'm, I'm an adult. I make my own decisions with this. But actually, the opportunity to almost go, right, let's take you out, I think would have meant I wasn't out for three months. That said... Having been out for three months, I think that I will be a much better leader, a much better manager, and a much better person for the next 10 years than I would have been. And I'm not saying to people, everyone should take three months out. But once you get to that point, you've got to take that step back, fall down that cliff, bring your way back up in your own pace. And as you say, not every organization can do that. Not everything can help. So if you can't, if you can't cope with that, you've got to watch for the warning signs beforehand um, to help people before they get there because rather than being three months could have been dealt within a couple of weeks if the early warning signs perhaps had been taken and, and actually would move forward and i'm going to take the dni analogy of allies having allies around us and having our own advisory board in some ways with our colleagues our friends just yeah. to, to do that it's interesting somebody who's, who's very close to me went through something similar to what you went through um he's now i call him yoda now because he's my coach he's the one who picks up when I 
I'm at that place. And he just does that regular Sunday afternoon call to go, hey, I, how are you? How are yeah. you? Rather than me, which I did for him a bit in the past. So it's those allies around us that are essential when your business doesn't do it, your organization doesn't do it. How do you, how do you structure that? Really simple. I, I just saw a colleague of mine and he, you could see it. And he'd said, look, I'm, I've started to snap at the wife and stuff. And I said, look, I know what your working practice are like. I know you start early in the morning. I know you work way through. Send me a meeting invite at lunch every day. And yeah. I made him, I made him take his lunch every day. And and he yeah. took the time and he ended up watching Bargain Hunt, I think it was. So, but it, it took him away. Yeah. And and again, yeah. he didn't feel there wasn't anything broke. And I think he came to the realization, actually, I think he's slipping again, but the power, almost the approval, you can take that time out. He needed that mm. that nudge. Um, and he needed to prove. So I started put it in for a week. Let's see if anything breaks. And I put it in for two weeks. Is anything broken now? No. But you've got yeah. to prove it to yourself sometimes. I think, you know, I'm a big fan of James Clear's email list. And every time I look at his email coming through and I look at some of the quotes, um, and, the, you know, one of his today was the competition is to have as much fun as possible. And it's so often, how often do we not think about it in that way? And I thought, yeah, that's, yeah, let's, if we're fun, we're energized and we're in a healthy place, we're going to be much more productive in terms of Absolutely. what we do. Yeah. absolutely virtual working makes it difficult i've had fun at work for many many years yeah. but i'm such a uh an around people point. person all of a sudden being virtual definitely made it more difficult because i wasn't i was sucking up with everybody's negativity back to your point but i wasn't getting all the positivity from being around people so you've got to find the way to have fun whilst if you're in a virtual environment while being able to do it as well because that has changed how we work completely i don't know whether i'd have the same problems yeah. if i'd been in a physical office um in working in a very different way trev uh hugely appreciate firstly the you know sharing the story because i i'm sure it will resonate with most people on on this call um or listening to the podcast today um i say even i'm getting into it listening into this call i'm getting into that mode yeah listening to the podcast it's um it's interesting but Thank you for also sharing about how you got out of it. Yeah, if people want to find you and um, and talk more or reach out, where would they find you, Trev? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, that's probably the easiest way to, mm -hmm. to get me or, or for yourself, Colin. You know exactly where I am. Um, so uh, I, I hope it has been helpful for people. It's it's a very personal story, and as I said to you at the beginning, I'm not an author, I'm not a CEO, but but I hope it does resonate with people, and I hope just sharing it a little bit makes people have that permission themselves just to take a step back and look after themselves and think about what's important for them and think about actually what it is they want and not get to the point where it's somewhat forced on them, which it was for me. So I'm going to end Trev with a couple of questions and I, it'd be interesting to see what your answers are on. These are the ones I always uh, end with, but if there was one moment in your past which defines your leadership now, one small moment, what would it be that's defined your, your leadership? It's multiple moments, but all with a common linkage. It, it's about trust. People have taken me and said, yeah, he can do that. Um, whether it was within my early career where actually I kept on getting more and more opportunities to do things, whether it was just when um, later on now where I've got people confident I, I can do it the, the example i will give you is at an interview i was trying to my first desktop engineer in it job and actually the feedback was 
we knew you were a terrible IT person, but we actually saw you had fantastic customer service skills and you were front and center out facing people and you were the face of us. And actually we could teach you the technology stuff. And that's been quite powerful, which was they were willing to take that chance and me able to learn it. And taking that chance on people, I think, is is what's actually got me where I am from a positive perspective, my position, everything else so far. Amazing. No, we've got a couple of examples. I've recruited somebody who's a, a therapist, but customer service, superb. We can teach you the rest. So, yeah, yeah it's brilliant. Yeah. If you had one thing you could disrupt in leaders today, what would it be? I, I would challenge leaders to say, why are you here? As in, there's been a lot of talk, and I don't want to just necessarily jump on the bandwagon, but but AI is coming. What What is it that you bring to your teams and leadership that AI can't bring? And and the simple answer will be the, the human emotional element of this. But, but that's where, mm-hmm. if you, from a leadership perspective, aren't doing things that an AI bot couldn't do. So if you're just going through governance slides, if you're just going through checking on people's progress, on plans, on, you're, you're not leading people and that's where i want the structure for leadership to come from is take your time with people we always start a lot of our calls with a general chit chat it's not straight into work actually just the thing you bring is being a human and actually that is going to be more and more powerful i think as we continue to involve a lot of the technology so yeah it, the disruption will be be you be human the other things will get replaced one way or another for you. And if you can't do those soft skills, and I hate the term soft skills, haven't used it, but if you can't do those human interactions, yeah. I'm not sure where your place as a leader will, will be. I love it. Connection before content is one of my, Chad Littlefield, the connection, um, as mine always says. So I love as it. always, yeah. you summarize my three minutes into, into three words. But... <laughs> no, he summarized that. I'm not taking credit for that one. That's Chad. <laughs> Chad, shout out to you. <laughs> um, final one. One leadership habit that's a non-negotiable yeah. for you, what would it be? Uh, honesty. Um, both being honest, but being able to accept honesty back as well. Um, it, it's, mm-hmm. for me, everyone's an adult. So, yes, I know there's corporate things sometimes that you can't share sensitivity, whatever. But but actually, where I've seen the biggest joy almost is when people are honest and let people make their own decision. And often you're like, oh, if I tell these people this, they they may leave the organization. So be it. They're an adult. They'll know the truth, but they'll respect you more for it. So so honesty for me is a, a huge piece of allowing people to make their own decisions, make their own judgment calls, um, but also being open enough that honesty comes back. So if someone needs to tell you something, you can you can take it, think about it, not react to it, um, so that, that's the one that I, I couldn't live with colleagues and leadership without that that one tenant. Trev, I'm going to end with uh, just a thought that's going through my head. You know, since I've known you, you've always been a source of energy for me. And, you know, people talk about people in your lives that are either radiators, for the translating for the American population heaters that provide you with energy and there's people who are drains and you always an energizer to me in terms of our relationship the lesson for me is that the those energizers those radiators still need to charge themselves and you know when they run out of energy where do you go for support and i think that's probably selfish story that you've talked about today about how you treat yourself first in some cases to allow yourself to do that is so important for other people to hear thank you for coming on today 
no, thank you for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Wow, what an episode. Um, I think as I was going through that, I was revisiting my time, uh, age of 30, a long while ago, but I, you know, many times recently and even most recently, some changes in the business and what I've been going through, um, which led me to not be aware of the stress I was going through. And in my case, led to uh, a detached retina um, and therefore a tear in the retina, which meant that I had to have an operation, could have risked my sight. And it's it's a constant need for us to have allies, other people in our lives, and for ourselves to be monitoring and registering when the stress and the challenges in our life are too much uh, for us. And that's really those messages that we got from Trev today that we talked about um, are so important for, for everybody and the leaders. But it also says about how we nest habits into our life to to prepare ourselves to be anti-fragile as Nassim Nicholas Taleb talks about. Um, so that when these things happen, when the stresses increase, we either know this is the time I need to take that time out or when we start to flag that that's happening, we've got the resilience, we've got the the new habits in our life that feed those systems, particularly the energy, inspired energy, as we call it, allow us to do that. So thank you, Trev, for coming on and sharing that. And please feel free to, to, to give me some feedback, reach out, let me know, or reach out to Trev um, to get more about his story in there. So look forward to welcoming you back on another episode of Leadership Tales podcast very soon.